Anybody glad to be a part of his story? This is just a small piece of the many, many stories that are being told in the lives of people. I could look around the room and I could just point people out and they would stand story after story after story of God's faithfulness and what he's doing in the lives of people. I want to dive into our message today. Before we do, let me just say two things. One is at the end of the service when we leave, remember we have the special needs um, open house. We want you to go and see our special needs classroom. Secondly, this is the week to celebrate. And uh, so we've got cake. You can't have a party without cake. And I know some of you are going to go get lunch, but have a piece of cake and let's celebrate. That'll be at the end of the service. I didn't have the, I, I decided not to say anything a moment ago as Devette shared because I knew I would be coming up and I guess I always get the last word because I'm preaching at the end of the service. But um, on behalf of my family, um, my wife Devette and my children, I want to say thank you for being a part of this wonderful place. Thank you for standing and praying and believing and giving, serving. God is telling a beautiful story and we're so honored and humbled to be a part of it. We would be nothing without you. We would be nothing without the faithfulness of volunteers and our staff. I would be nothing without my beautiful wife who stood with me for so many years and to see our kids growing in their relationship with the Lord. Uh, I am humbled. Devet, I love you. Thank you for leaving everything to come with me down here. I want to share a story with you in the Bible as we dive into the message today. In fact, if you'll stand to your feet, I want to read part of this passage and then I'm going to invite you to read the final few verses with me. As I was running, the Lord spoke to my heart to tell this story. And there's a couple principles that I want to draw out of this story that I think apply to his story. Because that's really the story we want to tell. At the end of David's life, the Bible says in 2 Samuel that he kind of shared his last words. We're not going to really read that portion. We're going we're to grab a little piece of that. But then right after David tells kind of his last words, then it ends with another description of some mighty men and women, mighty men who fought in battle, some people who stood up for vision. And I want to share that story with you. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 13 says this. It says, once during the harvest, when David was at the cave of Adullam, Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephaim. The three, speaking of some of these mighty men, the three who were among the 30, an elite group among David's fighting men, went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at the time, and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate of Bethlehem. Now I want everyone to join me and read this last part together. You ready? Let's say it. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. 
and brought it back to David. He poured it out as an offering to the Lord. You guys have that with me? All right, let's keep going. The next part, verse 17. The Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These are examples of the exploits of the three. I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we know that you're here for when we gather together in, in the name of Christ, he's among us. Your spirit is among us. And so we acknowledge your presence. We ask that you would move mightily in our hearts in this place. Lord, we pray that our lives would tell your story. Speak to us today. Say that with me. Just say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated today. Actually, don't be seated. Stand, stand, stand. I want to do something before we're seated, all right? I just want to catch a visual. If you have joined us here at Higher Vision in the last year and a half to two years since we've moved into this campus, I want you to be seated. Wow, look at that, what God's done in two years, all right? If you joined us um, when we were over at the last campus during kind of that year four and a half to year eight, and you joined us when we moved over to um, Hasley Canyon campus, you may be seated. If you're part of the church when we were at um, the Castaic Elementary and you joined us over the last several years um, there, you may be seated. All right. And if you're with us from the very beginning, when we started at the Residence Inn, you can be seated. There's some of the... <laughs> can we give everybody a hand? Isn't it great to have this wonderful group of people? Wow. I want to give you two principles from this story. It's going to be very simple. But there's a profound message that's there for all of us. And it's not just about higher vision and 10 years of ministry, it's really about our lives and a mentality that we have when it comes to how we live. So when we think about 10 years of his story, or 10 years of history, from this passage, remember, there were three mighty men of David who broke through the lines of the Philistines, got some water from the, the well by the gate of Bethlehem, and brought it back to David, who was hiding in the cave of Adullam. He took that water and he poured it out. I want to tell you two big ideas. You ready? If you have your notes, pull them out of the program. You can write this down. Those of you joining us online, we have had people join us from Las Vegas and Missouri and Michigan. Man, it's great to have you with us. We have people around the country and the world joining us. When we think about his story from this, this particular passage, here's the first thing that jumps out. You ready? When it comes to his story, here's the first thing. It's a story of mighty men. When we think about his story, when we read this passage, it tells us a story of mighty men. I want to read to you the beginning again. 2 Samuel 23, verse 15 says, Oh, how I would love, this is David speaking, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. Look what it says then. So the three, 
These mighty men broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. These are the examples of the exploits of the three. It's interesting because at the end of David's life, when his life is about done, God makes sure that not only is he able to share his heart and give some last words, but at the very end, he throws in a story about mighty men. And I begin to ask myself the question, God, why is it that at the end of David's life, you didn't just end with David's words? Why was it that you threw in this little part about the mighty men at the end of this passage? And here's what I believe the reason is. And I believe it's the reason for you and I, because all of us are a part of God's story. All of us are trying to fulfill the purpose that God has given us in life. It's obviously for many of us to raise a family, to provide for that family, but it's also, if we're a follower of Christ, that is to share in his story, to share the gospel, to, to talk about the light and love of Christ. And so here's kind of the reason why his story is a story of mighty men. And he's not really, and, and I'm not really focusing on just men. I'm talking about men and women who are mighty, and here's why. Wherever you find God raising up godly leadership, you will also see God raise up a group of mighty men and women to help that vision come to pass. God never raises up a man without raising up godly men and godly women to stand with them. People who are willing to sell out, people who are willing to sacrifice, people who are willing to take a stand to make sure that God's purposes prevail in the vision that he's given to that godly leadership. This is a testimony of that principle. In fact, I want to show you one of the mighty men. We skipped a few verses, and there are three godly men that are listed. And I want to just real quickly read you a verse about one of those mighty godly men. And it's going to give us a little insight into this idea. You all with me? Say amen. Second Samuel chapter 23, verse 11. It tells us this. It says, next in rank was Shammah, son of Agi from Harar. One time, now it tells us one of his great exploits. One time the Philistines gathered at Lehi and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. The Israelite army fled, but Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines, so the Lord brought a great victory. One man defeated all the Philistines, and here's why. Because I believe that he made the decision that this field is so important I'm willing to make a sacrifice. I'm willing to make a stand. I'm willing to die in the right field. Why? Because this field was God's field. This land was in the promised land. God had given the promised land to the children of Israel. It wasn't for the Philistines. It was for God's people. And so this man, this mighty man, took a stand and he said, I'm going to stand in this field because this is God's 
field. And I want to tell you what happens is that when God raises up godly leadership in a home or raises up godly leadership in a business or godly leadership in a church or ministry, he'll always raise up men and women who will take a stand and say, this is God's field. Whatever the sacrifice, whatever I have to do, I'm willing to fight. I'm willing to give. I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to do what it takes because this is the right field. Many of you are here because God has told you this is the right field. You know, it's interesting. When I read this story, another thought that jumps into mind is, why does David have such a, a tremendous thirst for the water from the well of this gate? You ever thought about that? And I did a little research, and here's what I discovered. This was no special well. When you read it, you might think, wow, that was a, an amazing well. In that region, it must have been known for having really cool, and, you know, the, the, the water was cool, and it was really sweet, and everybody wanted a drink from there, but, you know, there is no historical record in historical documents that we know of, and there is no other biblical record of the water of this well. So bottom line was simply this. This well was nothing special. So why did David so badly want to drink from the water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem? As he began to pray about it and began to meditate on it, here's what I began to realize. You see, what David did is he had a moment where he looked back. You know, what we've been doing for the last 10 years, we've been looking back. He had a moment of nostalgia because here's what this well meant to David. Well, you know, back in the day before God anointed me to be king, before I had to fight giants, before I had a king who was chasing after me and trying to kill me, back when things were a lot simpler. Anybody remember those days? Back when I just was out in the field taking care of sheep and when I got hot, I would finish my day and I would come to the well and I would get a cool drink of water from that well. It was back in the day when I didn't have so much responsibility. It was back in the day when things weren't so challenging. It was back in the day when life was so much simpler. I'm going to tell you, sometimes in life God calls us to be a part of his story. And in that process, things change. We face obstacles, we face giants, we face moments where we're having to survive because people and things are attacking us. And could it be that David had a moment of reflection that he, he kind of started to say, well, gosh, it would be nice to go back to those times. It'd be nice not to carry the weight of this thing. You see, at this moment, he hadn't become king yet. And I want to tell you that in your life, there will come moments when God has called you to pursue the purpose that he has for your life, where you'll face obstacles, and if you're not careful, you'll start looking to the past, and you'll start talking about the good old days, and you might even start saying, you know, it'd be nice just to go back to when things weren't so challenging. It'd be nice to go back to the days when I didn't have such a responsibility. And then what happens? His men heard him. They heard him reminiscing. And you know what they did? These three broke through the line of the Philistines. They literally, at risk to their own life, they fought through the enemy 
swords dripping with blood. I know it sounds gory, but they fought through the enemy. They charged into Bethlehem. They got a cup of water from that, and they brought it to David. And I began to think about, God, why was this so important to these men? David didn't know what was happening, but then they came and they brought it to him. And you know what I believe they were doing? Here's what I believe they were doing. I believe they were doing what they were called to do, and that was to stand with a godly vision. Because they came to him and they said, David, listen, you don't need to go to Bethlehem. You don't need to go back and, and, and you don't need to quit and you don't need to surrender and you don't need to go back. You've got a call on your life and you've got a plan. You're the next king of Israel. So if we've got to fight through the enemy for you, we'll fight through the enemy for you. Here's the thing. We're in the right field. David, you're in the right path. You're in the right bean field. God has a call for you and we're standing in that field with you. And I want you to know something. Over the years here at Higher Vision, people have come, just like David, they've come. Many of you here, and you've done just like that. You said, Pastor Jared, you said, Pastor Wayman, Pastor James, Pastor Randy, Pastor Abel, you, you said, we believe in this vision. And so, don't get too tired. Don't quit. We're ready to fight with you. We'll stand in the field with you. We'll make the sacrifice with you. You know, what's interesting is, is many years ago when we were getting ready to start Higher Vision, we had just started. I had a man look at me in a service. We were there doing ministry together. He was preaching. I was leading worship. And he looked at me and he said, Jared, he goes, I see a vision over your life. And I'm like, what is the vision? He said, I see you standing in a room. And it's a war room. He said, there's plans on the table. There's you know, schemes and things on the boards. And he said, and you're standing in that room with generals. And they're standing by your side. But here's the cool thing. You're not just preparing for a war, but you're living life together. You're celebrating great victories together. He said, you're raising your kids together. You're living life together. You're standing with generals together in the faith. And can I tell you today that that has come to pass because I see a room full of generals in front of me. I see a room full of people who have said, God has called me to be a part of this family. This field of beans, this field of, of lentils is worth me fighting for. So I'm going to believe, I'm going to give, I'm going to serve, whatever it takes, I'm here. See, God will always raise up mighty men and women to be a part of a godly vision. I'll never forget when Pastor Randy shared the story with me. Many of you don't know this, and I'm not suggesting that you do this. If you get a word from God like this, you need to talk to someone and get some you know, confirmation in your heart. But one day God spoke to Pastor Randy and said, serve higher vision as though it were your house. And what he interpreted that to mean is that don't get a job yourself full-time in higher vision for seven years pastor randy he had a little side company where he did direct mail and he basically survived i don't know how he did it seven years we were not in a position as a church at the time to hire him on the team seven years he made god's house first and now he's on staff he's god is using him in a mighty way you know what he did he grabbed a sword and here's what he said. I'm going to fight in this bean field. God will always raise up people, men and women, who will say, I'm willing to fight. And let me stop and tell you, how does that relate to you and I? Well, here's how it relates to you and I. You have a field. 
Not just the field of Higher Vision Church, the community of faith that God's called you to, but you've got a field that you're standing in. Some of you, it's your family. Some of you, it's your business. You've been called to that place, and I want you to know something. If God has appointed you and he's called you, guess what? That means he's going to raise up people around you to help you fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. So don't, don't be discouraged, don't be weary, don't give up, don't long for the water and say, I'm quitting, I'm going back, I can't do this anymore, I'm walking away, I'm never, this is too hard for me. You know, there's been moments where Devet and I have felt the weight of this ministry so much that we wanted to literally walk away. I've had some moments where I've said, God, I can't do this anymore, there's just too much to do, there's so much burden, but you know what, there were people who held up my hands, there were people who stood in the field and fought with me and I want to tell you something God will send people maybe it's me maybe it's people in this church maybe it's a believer on the job maybe it's a friend next door but you've got a call you've got a field and God will bring the people around you and you can stand you can see victory because if God has called you to a field he'll provide the people around you to give you the strength to keep fighting somebody say amen, amen. point number two you still with me It's not only a story of mighty men, but it's also a story of God's glory. It's a story of God's glory. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 16. I'm going to read this part again. It says, so the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. The Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. Now, the first thing that I think about when I see that part of the story is I'm like, what did the three think? (laughs) I mean, you know they're sitting there going, come on, David, what are you doing? We just risked our lives to do this, to bring this water to you, and now you're not going to drink it. In fact, the second part thing that I wonder is this, is why is this part even in the story? Some of you say, well, what do you mean, Pastor Jared? It's kind of a significant moment, but think about it. This section of of the passage is supposed to be about the mighty men. It's not really supposed to be about David. It's about the mighty men. In fact, it ends after the story by saying, and these are the exploits of the mighty men. This is a passage about the mighty men that God raised up to help David as the leader fulfill his calling. So why did God leave? They could have just said the guys broke through and brought the water back to David, but they threw in. God made sure that we knew the little part where David then said, I can't drink this, but I'm going to give it to God as an offering. You ever thought about why? I have. And I'm going to give you the answer that I believe that God gave me. You see, what David shows us about this cup of water is that it's not just a cup of water, but that it represents something different. In fact, let's go to the last words of David. If you read a few verses earlier in 2 Samuel 23, verse 5, here's one of the things that David said. David said, it's not my family, or is it not my family God has chosen? Yes, he has made an everlasting covenant with me. His agreement is arranged and guaranteed in every detail. And then it says this, and he 
Everybody say that with me. He will ensure my safety and success. Here's what David basically said. As he gets to the end of his life, he said, listen, I didn't choose this. God did. I didn't ask God to choose me when I was out in the field taking care of the sheep. I didn't ask him to choose me to be a king. I didn't ask him to give me the calling to lead the nation of Israel. I didn't ask him to call me to defeat a giant, but he chose me. And he made the covenant with me, and he's making sure that every detail of the covenant is happening. In other words, everything, this cup right here that I hold in my hand, this cup that has this precious water, every bit of this cup represents this one thing. That every good thing I have in my life, every battle that I've won, every giant that I've defeated, every time I escaped from King Saul when he should have killed me, every blessing, my children, my family, the great leaders who are around me, the mighty men and women that God has raised up. Everything I have is not because of me, but it's because of you. Yeah. Scripture says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. What basically David said is, I'm going to pour this out, God, because here's the thing I want to make sure, and I believe this is why it's in the story. I want to make sure that everyone, whoever reads this story, whoever hears the story of King David, that they'll know that I didn't take a sip because I don't want to take any credit. I don't want to take any credit for what's happened in my life because every good and perfect thing that has come, every person that's followed, every leader that's arisen, every miracle of someone defeating the Philistines hasn't been me. God, it's been you. So I want to make sure that my men know it. I want to make sure that the people that read the story someday know it. I want the world to know it, that all the glory from this story doesn't go to me, but all the glory from this story goes to you. Sitting right here in the front row is a wonderful couple, Enrica, who leads our dance team, was dancing a moment ago. And then Josh, her husband, who just came back from Brazil with Pastor Wayman and Kimberly as they led a missions um, team down there and had an amazing, amazing time. You'll see more about it in the future. You know, you don't know, but over 10 years ago, they left their home in Sacramento. They weren't even friends of ours. Didn't even know us. I went to a church in Sacramento and God spoke to their heart and said, you need to leave everything and you need to move to Southern California and follow Pastor Jared and be a part of, part of Higher Vision Church. They left everything, they moved down here, and they ended up staying with in-laws an hour and a half away, one, one way. And every week for a year, they would get up and drive an hour and a half to get there early so they could be a part of the setup and teardown team. Struggling financially. Now, of course, they're part of the story. God has blessed them and multiplied tremendous blessings in their life. You know, Pastor Randy, 18 years ago, God spoke to his heart. I didn't even know this. He told the story to me recently. 18 years ago, one day at a reign of his presence, a night of worship, 
As I was up leading, God spoke to me. He said, you serve that man like you want to be served. And for 18 years, he's been a friend. He's been an armor bearer to me and my family. And I want you to know something. As I stand before you today here on 10 years, I want you to know, just as David did over 2,000 years ago, I stand before you taking the example he had given to say, I will not drink from this cup because I know that people like the Noonans and people like the Ashburns are not serving in here because of anything that I've done. I know that your life, many of you who now know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, are not saved and on your way to heaven because of anything that I could have done. Just like David, I hold the cup today and I simply say this, to God be the glory for all the things that he has done. Why am I sharing this with you? Because you've got a story. And oh, God forbid that you and I, that you take a drink from the cup. Maybe for you, you need to do just like David and like I'm trying to do today. You know, the Bible says in in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches us how to pray. And here's what he says. He says, our Father in heaven. You know this. Say it with me. Ready? Our Father in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now read this, ready? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Do you realize that every time that we pray, when Jesus taught us to pray, he simply said, don't ever drink from the cup. Because every time you're delivered from the evil one, every time that you're forgiven of your sins, remember That the glory and the honor, listen, God will share everything with you. He'll share his grace. He'll share his forgiveness. He'll share his mercy. He'll share his healing power. But one thing he will never share, and that is his glory. And so today, as we finish this service, I feel like David, for so many people who have worked so hard, some of you is in the beginning, some of you it's later on, Pastor Wayman and Kimberly, three years ago, maybe you come in the last two years, maybe you come in the last ten, I stand before you today and I want you to know something, just like I'm doing, oh that you and I would be people that would say, God I don't want to take a sip. But I want everyone in my life, my children, my grandchildren, my neighbors, fellow believers, to know that all the glory and all the honor belong to you. It's a story of your glory. So I take the cup. And as I do this, I know that others are going to do the same. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? 
things so undeserved yet you gave to prove your love for me and the voice of a million angels could not express my gratitude all that I am and ever hope to be. I owe it all to thee, to God be the glory, to God. sing the second verse and as we do there was no way that we could make an opportunity for everyone to come and take a cup and pour it out but as we sing this next verse if you want to be the person who realizes that the story is not about you but it's about his story and you want to make a statement to say God I'm de demonstrating to the world to this community that all the glory and honor belong to you as we sing I just want to encourage you step out of your seat I want you to come and just get as close as you can to the stage. And let's, let's come and let's make this statement today. That God, we give you praise for every good thing that's happened in our life. Now we won't take the credit. We won't drink the water. But instead, we're going to give you the praise. So if you feel led to do that, why don't you just come and sing it with us? Just let me live. Just let me live. Live my
want everyone just to reach out to heaven for a moment. Father, I thank you.